If you want to become financially independent, come to my seminar. Let me show you how to make the fortune you have always dreamed about. Ready? Go! What happens if you are named in Nelson Rockefeller's will? You get rich quick. Man on the line, turn the game again. Everybody's gonna lose and I'm gonna win. Gonna get rich quick. This is my lucky day. So stick around, baby, and everything will be okay. Hello, hello, and welcome, everybody, to... Get rich quick with Josh and Noel, and we have a very well—I wouldn't call it a special show, but it feels special to us, Noel, because today, this show is our fifty-second show. Yep, one year, once a week for fifty-two weeks. We have done this nonstop. It's our first anniversary, and we have a guest today to yep. help us celebrate. Yes, we do this live show at Radio Free Brooklyn. We have Miss. Lindsay Goldwert. Yeah, hey. From the Spent Podcast. Hey there. Hey, thanks a lot for coming out, eh? Thanks for having me. Um, you didn't know that this was, I don't think you knew that this was such a uh, big deal for us. I didn't right know. From the, right from the jump. You came in here thinking, oh, this is just going to be a little one-off, no problem. Now there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I, I, I feel really honored. It means a lot to me that you've selected me to be here on this uh, momentous occasion. Good. I'm glad that you feel that way. I think Noel's glad about that as well. Yep. Um, so, Lindsay, I feel like, uh, we can get right into the nuts and bolts of this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Spent Podcast, what it is that you do, what it is that you're trying to do? Cool. So this, uh, the podcast is called Spent with Lindsay Goldwert, and that's me. And, uh, the point of the podcast is, it's a funny money podcast, um, it's more of a storytelling, kind of empathetic approach to personal finance and, and economics. Um, I... I was a journalist for a long time, and I found that people can take a humorous approach to understanding politics, but no one ever has attempted to do that with, with finance and with money. And I just found that, uh, that the only way to, that people can really attack their money problems is to laugh at them and to just overcome their shame. So um, I try to get people on the podcast who have crazy stories. They talk about how they've overcome some sort of financial hardship mm-hmm. um, with good humor. Um, I also have some explainers like for people that don't understand how certain things work, um, and I try to be the voice of the, the listener. Um, I don't give uh, financial advice, <laughs> uh, which is good for America. <laughs> I was going to say, is that is there a reason for that? No, because I, I don't. Uh, I am very lucky, and that I surround myself with a lot of really smart, funny people. And so, if I don't know something, um, I ask them. Mm-hmm. So I don't. Uh, I don't claim to know how to fix uh, the economy, but I know some people who have some good ideas. Well, it's interesting that you are here on this day because we, as always have a topic and today's topic noel is it is humorous financial podcasts how to get rich with them <laughs> such a perfect fit yeah, yeah it's it's funny how we we manage to do that whatever our sort of little preamble is we always manage to uh it always manages to jibe up with whatever the uh uh topic of the day is it's kind of incredible how we do that We're masters of the topic um you know it's funny though when i look at at humor if you look up like comedy financial podcast you don't get much there at all no it it really comes up very like kind of zero and and uh what i find interesting i mean i assume the reason for that what i would say is that it's because people have a real hard time laughing (laughs) 
about finances. Yeah, I, I don't really understand why. Because um, to me, you know, finance is sort of a mirror into, into everything else, right? It's a mirror into your relationships, into your family, uh, into the places we choose to live and the jobs we choose to take. So it doesn't have to be so formal. It doesn't have to be so instructional. Um, it doesn't have to be like how to save money on your eating bills. It can be just a larger conversation. So I think people, it's sort of a shame that people can't make it funnier because politics isn't funny politics is terrible right. you know, it's very depressing yeah. and yet there are lots of ways that people um, find ways to laugh at it they find uh, a way in and I don't think that people have done that yet and I'd like to be that person <laughs> yeah I'm with you I mean I think uh, uh, personally I think part of that may be because it's it, it's it's so close to home That's you know true. what I mean er, I, you know everyone has some issue with money especially in this city yeah. in New York City uh, you know, and it becomes such a, a, a there's a certain amount of shame oh, involved. Oh, shame is the biggest word. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I, I was listening to, I've listened to many of your shows, and I, I, I'm curious if you see with, I mean, you've done how many shows now? Um, I've done about 11 episodes, and we have uh, uh, five more coming soon. Okay. So in your episodes at this point, are you starting to see sort of any kind of overarching Issues that people are having within uh, uh, the conversations you're having? Yes. I I think that there's a general fear of their own finances. I think uh, there's people who... They, they don't they, there's that whole feeling that they want to put their mail in the drawer and kind of run from run from from it <laughs> I think uh, things like retirement seem very far away and ludicrous uh-huh. um, I think there's a sort of sense of, of helplessness you know that even if you but if you do even if you do everything right you're still sort of caught behind especially in New York um, I had a great conversation with my pal Katie Hill from from market watch and we were talking about the, the subject was um, money delusions like are we del- right. delusional about money mm-hmm. and just the whole idea of moving to New York is almost a delusion now. Yeah. Like, are you going to make it in New York? Mm-hmm. You know, because the cost of living is, is so crazy and people's salaries haven't gone up. Right. So, um, so you, I mean, it, it sounds very depressing, <laughs> but, but you know, just as, you know, if you can find people who can sort of talk about things in a creative and interesting way and, and, you know, and, you know, people who can, I don't know, it doesn't have to be as grim as it, as it is, you know, times have been just as bad as they are now. Yeah, certainly. I mean, money <laughs> has always been an issue in this city, for sure. For sure. Yeah, and San Francisco, too, a lot of the big cities, people, you know, it, it's, it's also, money's also an issue in some of these smaller suburbs, the young people are leaving, there's not as much industry in, in, in the rural areas, so money is, there's different complicated money problems everywhere you look. Right. I actually listened to that episode uh, just yesterday, and I thought it, it was interesting, the part of that conversation where... She sort of admitted her debt issues. Oh, sure. and, and, you know, when you think of someone who's who's basically a, a, a reporting on finance and things like that, you sort of think that they have, uh, theoretically, the assumption is that they have their shit together financially. Oh, no. But it's, uh, it's, it's a real kind of uh, uh, global uh, issue for everybody. I mean, just because you know the right things to do doesn't mean you're going to do them yourself. Yep. You know, like I could tell everyone how to lose weight. You know, everyone knows the right <laughs> things to do. Um, I know exactly what to do to tell other people how to live a better financial life, but doesn't mean I'm going to do them. You know, it doesn't mean I'm going to not going to eat a cookie for dinner. You know, it's all these things are can, are very they're they're not fun to do. Yeah. You know, it's not fun to be. You know, to take care of your finances or take care of your body, <laughs> it's more fun to say. To, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, no, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It's more fun to say "fuck it," you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and but sometimes you you have to sort of. You yeah, know. yeah, you can't say the f word though. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, you can say whatever you want. Okay, you can actually say it. You, it's, it's, you have to say F word. Okay, yeah. F word is. Yeah. Fudget. No, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so 
what is your background? So you you do a you know a funny money podcast, yes. right? Your background is you have a comedy background. Yes. Mm-hmm. You also have a journalism background. Yes. Um, and how do you find those two sort of uh, come together for you, both for the podcast and just in life in general? So I I started off. Um, I worked at women's magazines in the early two thousands, and that was not. Uh, I met some of my my best friends there, but that was not for me. I didn't really have. A, it wasn't really a good fit for women's magazines. Uh-huh. Um, and then I went. I worked at Court TV for a while, oh and, that, and that was a, that was actually a really fun place to work. Um, but a lot of journalism in the early two thousands and mid two thousands. It was just kind of escaping layoffs. And then I got into breaking news. I worked at CBSNews.com, and then I worked at ABCNews.com during the two thousand eight election. And then I ended up at the Daily News. Um, and then something interesting happened. Um, I ended up getting into P- uh, tech PR. Um, I wanted a career change. And it ended up being really exciting. I thought I would hate it. But I learned a lot about business and a lot about how companies work. And I started learning. Getting, um, I realized I have an entrepreneurial streak in myself, which uh-huh. I never would have ever thought unless I'd taken this, this PR job. Uh, so now I just freelance write. And um, the funny thing is, is uh, uh, journalism to comedy was is very seamless, very seamless transition. Mm-hmm. It's a... It's um, you're not paid well. <laughs> People are not very kind <laughs> to each other. <laughs> um, you know, I, I liken, I say this a lot. Um, cl- uh, comedy clubs um, are to n- kind of newspapers and networks as blogs are to like bar shows. Um, meaning, like um, we all really respect these larger institutions, even though they don't all deserve our respect so much. And then there's some great bar shows that are like almost as good as club shows. Like there's like Deadspin is like a great blog, and it's a great. And there's like Hot soup is a great bar show. But in the end, all of it just depresses the value of the art that we're doing and, and the work that we're doing. Um, and in the end, um, we're all getting paid less for the work that we're doing. Yeah. And you actually, uh, <laughs> you produce a show, right, in Sunnyside? I do. I, I've been producing, co-producing a show in Sunnyside, Queens. I wanted to um, bring bring some funny to the neighborhood. I'm very, um, I love where I live. Sunnyside, Queens is a beautiful neighborhood yeah, full of great. really great people. And they really appreciate it. There's not that much to do at night there. There's a lot of some Celtic music happening. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Irish that neighborhood. It's, it's very. True. It's, it's a big mishmash, but it's, it's definitely got a big Irish contingent. What? What? Where do you hold the show? It's at a bar called Maggie Mays. It's a fantastic bar. It's on uh, forty-one fifteen Queens <clears throat> Boulevard. It's on the last Friday of every month. Oh. Yeah. All right. Go out. Get it. <laughs> yeah. Go out. Get it. Uh, get it. Get it. Get some comedy. That is. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that was so cheesy. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so I also see you uh, co-wrote a movie that premiered at the Tribeca Film Fest called Nowhere Kids. Yes. Yeah, that's great. It was that was a very cool thing. Um my best friend uh, growing up uh, made an incredible documentary called um it was oh my god I'm forgetting the name of the documentary it's, it's terrible. Um, it was it's about life on the mesa about these kids that live and these adults that live off the off the grid. It's called Off the Grid. That's the name of the documentary. It's called Off the Grid: Life on the Mesa, and um, they it got a lot of attention at a bunch of film festivals. It's really a beautiful beautiful movie, and uh, they wanted to do a short film based on some of the characters that they made. So that I got to work on that and co-write it. And it was a, it was a really beautiful short film. I was really honored to be yeah. a part of it. That's yeah. a good festival too. That's a great festival. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I. I have a my, my background's also I have a bit of a fiction background, so I just want to do everything. I don't know, just want to not work and just be creative all the time. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm, I'm the only person who feels this way. <laughs> yeah. do, do you exactly. have a like a daytime gig? <clears throat> I freelance write during the day. I have a freelance editing gig. I can I do some corporate writing to keep the. That's great. Yep. Yeah. Try to keep just juggling. And I did some PR for a while, too. That was that paved the bills in a, in a good way. And right. I actually learned a lot about finance. Uh, I did some work for this app called Capital, which is now my sponsor. Mm-hmm. I had such a great relationship with them. And I got really interested in, in financial technology and um, 
how people aren't going to banks anymore. People are just, or people hate their banks so much. They're looking for ways to do different kinds of banking, and I got really interested in it. Um, just how how we're paying each other, how we're managing our money, and how you know our parents, you know, still go to the bank, but we don't go to bank branches. And what does that mean? Right. And what does automation mean? You know, I'm very interested in. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, I was amazed when I saw your <laughs> stuff that you had a sponsor. On your first show, it's like yeah. how, how do you get a sponsor on your first show? Yeah, I wrote a proposal, and I and I I, I had a really I had a feeling that uh-huh. I had a good idea, and I I, I I worked at some work for Capital, and and they they I had a really nice, and I just pitched it to them, and they went for it. So I was really lucky. I was very lucky to go into it with a sponsor, uh-huh. um, and I just did the, my research, and I just saw that there wasn't really anything like it out there, and I have a vision for what I want to do with it, and they were just real supportive. I'm really lucky. That's good. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, we reached out to them. <laughs> we, had a, we had a very short conversation. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of these brands are, are looking to connect with creative people. Mm-hmm. You know, you people shouldn't be so shy. Um, you can write a good proposal and, and you just you ha- and you have people who are listening to it. You know, there's whole industries that are middleman industries. They're trying to fix up corporations with creative types and they're they're taking all the money. We have to, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you have we're the only things that can't be mechanized, guys. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. We're not going to be replaced by robots yet. So if you do something creative and you have an audience, you should reach out to a brand and ask for help. Yeah. Although I, I see plenty of YouTube videos that have clearly been replaced by by robot. Where that they, they I don't know how I don't know if they, they type it in and and the voice is one of those uh uh you know what do they call them like the Taiwanese animation yeah. where it's like John F Kennedy was shot in you know what whatever it is but but th- there are videos now for all, all these things that I I look up where all of the voiceover stuff is not a real human being oh, and I don't so know depressing. if they they type it in and it's really awkward it's terrible <laughs> and awkward and it's really frustrating because I like, oh, I like this thing to use for a tip of the week or something like that, and mm-hmm. but I just can't bear listening to it. It's very depressing. Yeah, it is. Everything's going to be automated soon enough. Well, there's some things. I was just talking about this. A friend of mine. Um, do you guys know other music? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So well, just, not anymore. Not anymore. Well, yeah. it just closed. And, and I was talking to this woman. Her husband owned other music, and we were talking about how um, about algorithms versus people for recommending things. And I said that when I first moved to New York, I used to go to other music all the time. And there was a guy that worked there, and he used to tell me like, but what? If, you know, he knew me. He's like, well, if you didn't like this, but you like this, you should try this. You know. Mm-hmm. And he and week after week, he really knew me. And I don't think that Netflix is ever going to know me in the way that the guy at you know, Kim's or the guy at other music knows you. So I, I, I wonder how fine-tuned automation can really be. Yeah. And, and honestly, that is one of the driving forces that Tom told me behind the station here is, uh, you know, it, it, you can't just have everything be a playlist. No, you can't. You, know, you want other people's input, input. that surprises you. It also Absolutely. gives you the opportunity, if you like it or don't like it, to discuss it with that person. You know, it, it broadens things. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, we've all seen the Pandora queue or the Netflix queue, and it's like, what does this have to do with what I just... <laughs> yeah, I agree. For, you know, if you look at the last 10 things that I've watched, where does this come into play? And also, you can't tell, you know, you can't tell Netflix, oh, like, my grandma died. I'm not really in the mood to watch this anymore. Give me something new. <laughs> yeah. But I could tell, like, the guy at my video store, I could say, oh, I'm having the worst week, dude. He'd be like, well, you like this Ingmar Bergman movie, but you might, like, you know, like, you, it's nothing. You got to look it up. I don't know. I, I think that there's some things that that automation can, can do really well. And yeah. I think that when it comes to the arts and and spontane, spontaneity and creativity, I think that we have a way to go. Thank yeah. God. Thank I, God. I, I'm I, hoping. <laughs> I definitely don't miss the pretension of Kim's video, though. 
I the, will. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love Kim's. They did write stuff about you behind your. I did when they're typing stuff. They're like, uh-huh. this, this person's so stupid. Stupid. <laughs> Are you stupid, serious? They, yes. They, they, wow. Stupid. Stupid shirt. Stupid face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, but they're, even though the people were really mean, like um, they always had great movies playing on playing in the background. Yes. You'd be like, "What is that?" And you, they're just their list of just they just had such a great catalog of stuff, and you can't find any of that stuff um, on Netflix. And no. I guess they, and even the criteria, I might get very into this stuff, but you can't find that that breadth of of content as people say now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, on Netflix at one point, you know how they have like the categories that they suggest for you. Yeah, back in the days when you'd like order the DVDs. And you'd always go to the website. Yeah. There at one point, I had a category suggested for me that was like, it was something like middle-aged failures or something like <laughs> that. And I was like, what? But they had, you had more choice on, on the DVD side. Yeah. You know, you were able to get anything. That's when Netflix was so exciting, when you could get all the stuff delivered to you. The streaming, you have much less choice. Yeah, but you can still do the DVD, and you still have you that could. choice if that's what you want to do. But I think the reality is, is people don't want to be bothered. It, I, I mean, part of it is, you know... A big part of it is is that people find it much easier to be like, I want this right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call. I'm going to get it now. I'm not going to wait for it to come in the mail or I'm not going to walk 15 minutes to my local video store. Um, you know, my whole issue with video was always that as much as I liked the video store, I was that guy who would never return the fucking videos. Oh, me too. And I would have a video sitting in my and I would be like mortified, me number too. one. And then I'd be like, this video just cost me you know, a brand new television, yeah, basically. There, there was a picture of me like, do not rent videos to this person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so, I, I mean, it, it, people will always take, it seems, convenience over anything else at this point. And what's interesting yeah. that I've noticed is that I think people would rather watch something they that they didn't want to watch as much. They'll take convenience over what they what they really want lately. You know, I, yeah. I was making um, I, 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 so I have a doctor, right, and I can make an appointment online. It's really convenient and it's great. And then and they tried, they referred me to somebody else, and I was so annoyed that I couldn't make the appointment online with this other doctor. Mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself, well, would I rather see a worse doctor that has easier appointment making? Yeah. And there was a part of me that was like, like yeah, kind of. Yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I think this, you know, it's just very interesting how people will choose ease over over you know over quality yeah yeah ease and convenience ease we will convenience. just sink deeper and deeper into ease and convenience. yeah that's mcdonald's uh <laughs> business model basically right right, right. but <laughs> I, I think that netflix is soon going to have almost all netflix content i think it's just a large trick to get us to have nothing but and, and more and more i see is all netflix content sure right? they're going to become a, a television station in and of themselves yeah right and you're just going to be but that's not necessarily bad because netflix's content for the most part has it's been okay. pretty good yeah i've okay. enjoyed a lot yeah, of it some of it's great yeah but you know, um, so your podcast, where did where, like from concept to uh, reality, right? Yes. What was your process? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I have a friend um, who used to work at WNYC, and she took a job at Acast, which is a new uh, <clears throat> podcasting platform. And she reached out and said, "Hey guys, um, I'm I have a, I'm in a position now to help develop some new podcasts." And she reached out to me, and I and I had some ideas. At the same time, I was doing some work with Capital, which is this great personal finance app, and they were looking for some creative ideas. Um, and I was in the shower one day. I was literally in the shower, and it just. And at the same time, I had this big news background, and I wanted to do something smart and funny, but not politics. Mm-hmm. And I was washing my hair, and all of a sudden, it hit me like funny. 
money. <laughs> and I just like, I called to my husband. I'm like I, like, I have it. Like, I have this idea. And I got out of the shower and I still have my hair in a towel. And I wrote out this proposal to Capital. And I also emailed my friend, Caitlin Acast. And I said, I think I have this this idea. This is it. This is what I want to do. And, and, and I was going to stop working for Capital full time. I wasn't working. I was just consulting and helping them out. Um, and I said, "This is what I want to do. If you guys would be interested in sponsoring it, and they they were they loved it because they love comedy. Mm-hmm. They just they just got it right away. So it was just a, it was a confluence of, of of events that just kind of worked out kind of astrologically. <laughs> and I think though, again, having listened, you've had some comedians on yes. who are very funny comedians. But it's interesting that when you converse with them about money, they have a hard time. Oh yeah, kind of." laughing about it you know again it's that weird thing of like you know when you spend so much time like struggling for it yeah there was a little bit of a a lot of comics on facebook and and they get little facebook fights you know it's ridiculous but someone posted something about um you know if you don't pay your taxes as a comic then like then you don't really have then you shouldn't complain about any of these comedy problems and people got so offended it's like well excuse me you know yeah. some of us still have to have day jobs some so but it it became this like this point of contention about um, about how you make your, who's a true comic and how do you make money as a comic. So we had Mark Normand on. Um, he did my first episode. He's a great comic. He opens for Amy Schumer. He's he's fantastic and he's doing really well, which is exciting. And everyone wanted to know um, how much money he had because he right. told me. He didn't mm-hmm. say on the podcast, but he told me. And I said, I'm not going to tell you. It's none of your business. But people were just they're so competitive, you know. Is because, that? I feel. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no, you. I was just going to say. I feel like the whole asking people how much they earn. How much you pay for rent? That's tacky. It, is it tacky? It's, yeah. it's such a New York thing, man. Really? It is something. Well, rent that, maybe. Rent I can understand. Rent for sure, but I have been asking it, someone how much they make. Even in my twenties and thirties, it was really sort of like, "What do you do? Oh yeah, do you make good money doing that? You know what I mean? Maybe you won't get an exact number, but people tend to be a little, a lot more forthcoming, or used to be. I don't know. I don't meet people anymore. I don't go out anymore. <laughs> I, I uh, you know, so I don't really know how the real world works see, in that respect. See, I think it's important. I think it, I know what you mean by it's tacky, but I think it's important that we talk about how much we make. Because I remember years ago, I was offered a job at, um, oh, fuck it, I'll say it, I don't care. I was offered a job at ABC, um, and my friend had turned down that job. And they had offered him $77,000. And he's like, well, because he told me how much they'd offered him. Mm-hmm. So I could go in knowing what to asked for and they offered me 62 for the same job and i said but you offered this other person this much money and the woman was so angry at me she's like she's like well how dare you bring up something that's so inappropriate that you would bring up you know a a salary conversation that we had with someone else and i was like but why are you offering me fifteen thousand dollars less for the same job you know so i think that they're i think transparency about salary especially amongst like gender you know women are paid a little bit less you know people of color are often paid less Um, I think that people should be more upfront about salaries so people know what to ask for I was going to say we all know why you were offered less money right (laughs) (laughs) well I did have a bad attitude that is true But um, but that was pretty gross, and you know, and it, it was, uh, and I think now I would I, I would have known not to take that job, but yeah. I, but I did take it despite right. being offered less money. Yeah, I think in terms of of calling someone up and saying to them, hey, you know, that seems very reasonable. I mean, that's on a very professional level, and you're you're trying to figure out what you know. This is dealing with a job. I I tend to find though that that people really don't mind talking about their finances. Uh, in just normal conversation, like at parties, at things like that. Um, so, I, you know, uh, 
it's interesting to me is all, I guess. Because I, I do remember there was a period where it was uh, felt like a very New York thing. Like talking about how much you spent on things, it was it was common. And then when you would have a conversation with someone who wasn't from New York, they would be horrified at these these things they'd hear at various parties, at, you know, whatever it may be. I don't know. I, I, think, it's, I think it's very complicated. I, I think... Um, Especially now, you don't know what somebody, how much somebody makes by what they wear, right? right. We all we all dress pretty shitty now, you know. We all wear like you know jeans and a shirt, and you don't know if someone's sitting at a cafe, making you know five hundred bucks an hour doing a graphic design project, or if they're they're just if they're on LinkedIn like looking for a job. You know, mm-hmm. it's very hard to gauge um, how how well we're doing by how people look. You know, and and. I don't know. You, it's very complicated. If you if you come from money, you have to pretend that you don't in some ways. And if you you're broke, you you, you know it's it's very complicated. You can't. I don't I don't know. It, it's very people are very there, and people could look amazing and have a lot of debt. You can't see people's debt. Yeah, right. you know. Um, that's why when my friend was talking about how she got into some some debt when she moved, first moved to New York, everyone has has credit card debt. Yeah, and if they don't, they've done some amazing austerity to get out of it, or they have personal money. You know, which yeah. a lot of people do. A lot of people are very fortunate. If you're gonna have a lot of debt, you better look amazing. You're right, yeah. you know, like what, what are you what are you blowing that money on? Oh you my know? goodness, I've heard at least so look good. People tell me amazing. I'm, I'm a very good listener, and um, people tell me a lot of the stories about how the ways they get into debt, and it's it's really fascinating. I'm, I'm really the one thing I'm excited about is, um, fingers crossed, I'm going to have someone from um, Debtors Anonymous coming on the podcast, and I'm really excited to talk about the stuff that gets talked about in those meetings. You know, because people's financial problems are so intense and and so complicated that it is like any other addiction, and you do need other people around you to kind of help you. And give you a program and keep you in check because mm-hmm. it is it feels good to spend money it feels really good it feels just as good as other addictions it really does, it does. I mean, that show though is going to be hilarious <laughs> <laughs> well i suggested someone with a good sense of humor i said uh-huh. i said i like to i like to laugh but i've done some stupid things with money and i talk about it you know i can't even begin to start we're in the process stupid of paying things with money so oh god i you know when i was a kid forget i i it's funny you know I was, and I, I personally think so much of it stems back to how you were raised and yes. the, your parents' relationships to money. But my parents were very frugal. You know, they were children of uh, 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 Depression era people, so money was a big thing with them. But they never actually taught me about money. Like I knew nothing about my own bank account. I mean, till I was in my twenties. Sure. Genuinely. It's like mm-hmm. people in New York don't get their license ever. I didn't have a proper bank account till I was 20-some-odd years old, and then it, I didn't even know what to do with it. I was at cash-paying jobs. I would always pay in cash with everything, which is a good thing, but I, I had no credit. Mm-hmm. I, I would overspend. I didn't know how to budget. and Because my parents would always just say, you know, save money. Don't. What are you doing buying that? That would be it. That was the extent That's of— That's interesting. Of of how I was taught to to deal with money, so I didn't know it was like money's whatever. You know, I got an allowance. I had to do some bullshit. You know, sweep the courtyard or or uh, you know walk the dog. My father worked his ass off. My mother worked her ass off. Um, but I did nothing. Yeah, I was a bum. My my idea <laughs> for money has always just been basically spend less than you make. I, I think and, that's you a- know, and that's it. I haven't really gone any deeper than that. <laughs> that's that's, that's probably good. the best advice you could get and give on a on a really basic level you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's just teaches you how to save at some point yeah it, it's i think people go one way or another i think some people if their parents were very frugal then they may you know one sibling might be, be frugal and the other one might just be i don't want to be that way i want to enjoy my life you know my i, I think 
yeah, I, I think it, it we, we definitely take certain cues from our parents for, for sure. I think it's a very, that's a, that was the first thing I would ask, well, how were you raised? And usually the, a lot of people who have um, immigrant parents have crazy stories about money and right. saving and frugality. Yeah. And they right. always, they say, I can't even talk about it. It was so insane. The frugality stuff, like the, the drawer full of plastic forks and knives that are saved yeah. after being washed over and over again. Sure. <laughs> I have some friends. I have a friend from who's, who's uh, first generation American, Vietnamese. And uh, her parents, like, that's what they do. They, so, like, they will serve food on uh, used-to-go containers, the plastic ones that they wash out. Well, because, I mean, if you think about it, you know, America is so wasteful. I mean, to them, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. free plates. And so if, if those are your parents, you, you learn these lessons from them, but you might also can't wait to escape that. Like, I can't wait to have my own freaking plates. I'm going to use, like, <laughs> real silverware. You know, but everyone wants to be different than how they grew yeah. up. When, but some people, well, some people will take those cues. Yeah. Well, one day I'm going to be rich enough where I'll have like China and I'll just throw it out afterwards. <laughs> I know exactly. someone who does that with socks. He will not wear what? the same pair of socks more than one day. He wears a pair of socks. He throws them out. He goes down to like Chinatown, Canal Street. He buys eight packs for like a dollar, five dollars, whatever it is. That's and fine. he throws them away every single time. That guy's a lunatic. It's, it's, he's, well, he's completely insane. Okay. He, he's sock rich. Yeah. I, had, I, had an, I had an only in America moment today i was walking on 14th street and 8th avenue walking my dog who's not here because we're in the studio and and he's the cutest dog in the world you'll have to trust me on that um herschel underscore the underscore doxador on instagram um (laughs) and uh he and and i'm hit 14th street and i see a uh homeless guy literally digging through the garbage and eating food out of the garbage okay and he's eating a half-eaten, uh, like, kind bar or one of these kind of energy bars that was amongst all sorts of other detritus. It wasn't still in the wrapper. He pulled out. I felt awful. Mm-hmm. And in a way that would really was meant to just sort of soothe my guilt, I said, I got to buy this guy something to eat. So when I went up to him and I said, hey, man, can I buy you something to eat? There's a pizza place <clears throat> right over there. Mm-hmm. Uh would can I get you a few slices and you can have something to eat for a couple of meals? And he goes, oh, man, you know, I don't really like pizza. <laughs> you think you could get me a burger or something? And I said, you know, and then immediately my thing, uh, I got like a little agitated. Yeah, sure. Because now, like, we've gone from, you know, five bucks to, well, let's <laughs> yeah. see where we're going. So I'm yeah. like, sure. There's a burger down the street. Yeah. That's exactly what he said. Oh, I said, well, it is do, you wanna, do you want to go to McDonald's? He said, well, there's that burger place right over here. Okay. And I'm like, you want a 15 fucking dollar yeah. burger? Like, really? And of course I did it because at this point <laughs> I had gotten myself, uh, Josh, you know what I mean? You I didn't know what to do at that point. Like, I was, I was conversely, I was furious. But I was also, like, <laughs> guilty because I was angry at the homeless guy for placing an order. But that is that is a, a totally American, like, particularly, I don't know, I guess New York thing, man. So there, there's this book that I'm obsessed with. It's this book by this author, uh, Stefan Zweig. He was a very popular author, um, I think, in, in, in Austria and um in the 20s and 30s, and his books were banned by Hitler as degenerate art. But anyway, he's, he has a book called Beware of Pity, and it's an allegory about, about when you pity people. Um, when you do things out of pity, they end up uh, resenting you, you end up angry, and they end up hating you. So in the end, you should just never do anything because you pity somebody. You should do things for other reasons, but just never. Don't do yeah, that five-minute conversation covered every single one of them. 
<laughs> I mean, you can just, I mean, you can give someone some money, but just you know, just know that you're not going to get anything out of it. Knowing that you're not going to feel good, he's going to hate you. You know, it just just nothing good comes of it. You know, just do it knowing it's going to it's going to backfire. Yeah. Speaking of giving people money, we have a new segment we're starting up in the show. Uh, it's called Josh and Noel Sellout, in which we investigate different ways where you can help us sell out. Uh, Lindsay, you were lucky enough to have a sponsor right from the beginning. Yes. Great. Sold out from the get-go. Uh, I you, did. You're <laughs> under the thumb of Big Capital. Uh, the only ways you With can break... Yeah, the, or the easiest ways, I should say, that uh, we can we sold out so far is if you go to Radio for, RadioFreeBrooklyn.com and go to the Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel show page, there's a sponsor button, and you can click that. You can pledge some money to us, and monthly whatever comes out of your account... <laughs> Half goes to us, half goes to Ready Free Brooklyn. If you hate Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel, which and I'm sure a lot of people do. Yeah, we know you're out there. Yeah. Uh, you can instead go to Patreon and look up the Radio Free Brooklyn page and donate to them and put a note saying, we hate Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel. And uh, the, the actual... Uh, or you can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge, Tom is pointing out to me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, and yeah, all that money goes to Radio Free Brooklyn. None comes to us. So you've really put a thumb in our eye. Uh, and if you hate us enough and pledge enough money, I'm sure Radio Free Brooklyn will cut us from They'll cut us. They'll, they'll say, these guys are dead. Tom, uh, is, Tom is nodding his head in total agreement. He's like, yeah, and it doesn't even have to be that much. Yeah, really. it really probably doesn't. We are in the basement of a bike shop, guys. Uh, <laughs> buy Tom a burger, and uh, if it's one of those good Bear Burger burgers... He'll cut us. Uh, <laughs> if you see us on the street, you can give us money. If you want to sponsor us, it doesn't matter how horrible your product is. We will say <laughs> that you're the best in the world. Uh, yeah. So yeah. these are the ways that we will sell out today. Uh, another segment that we do is every week we have a topic. This week it is humorous financial podcast, and we examine ways for you to get rich with that. Uh, but we also, in the middle of the show, we give you another little way to get rich. So, uh, Mr. Josh, please take it away. All right. Fingers crossed, everyone. The Get Rich Quick Tip of the Week, brought to you by Radio Free Brooklyn. Hello. Today I'm going to take you on a journey, becoming a public speaker. <laughs> Fantastic news is uh, that the public speaking is a learnable skill. I can do this. You do. Take the action right now and look to a mirror. How it feels? Do you like uh, the personality in front of you? If yes, it is great. You can train yourself talking to the image in the mirror, your performance will dramatically increase under the face-to-face -face supervision. Simply start talking and overcome any doubts. So there you go, guys. Um, public speaking, that's all you have to do. Clearly a man who is a master of public <laughs> master speaking. Master of public speaking, yeah. Interestingly enough about that guy, his YouTube page has more subscribers than I think our podcast oh, Yeah, does. well, we don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, master of public speaking. You can make a lot of money public speaking once you look at yourself in the mirror and like the person that you see there. Yeah. Hmm. 
That's, that's good to know. Yeah. We throw these tips out, you Which, know. You know, that, that that's the problem, though. That's not something you can work on because the older you get, the harder it is to look in the mirror and like yourself. <laughs> you know, you know I, I found a copy of Dale Carnegie's How to Make Friends and Influence People in my laundry room. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I, find, Someone... I find a lot of interesting books in my building's laundry room in Queens. And yeah. um, so I'm working my way through that. Apparently, that's what Charles Manson used. So really? maybe it could work for me. Oh, I, I didn't had, know that. I didn't yes. know that either. I wonder if we have any murderers <clears throat> listen to our show. Who are yeah. just like, yeah, you know, if you take that same idea and you apply it towards <laughs> murder. <laughs> it did. It helped him uh, recruit people into, into the cult. Uh, okay. All right. You heard it here first, guys. Uh, so I'm we could sure... use that for cults. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Uh, so mega fan Lindsay knows this. Uh, she's one of the leaders of our, of our fan community. Uh, so what we do in our show is we take our topic and we give schemes for getting rich quick. Uh, Josh and I then do nothing. Uh, you, our audience, or Lindsay herself, uh, can feel free to take these ideas and run with them and make millions and millions of dollars. Uh, Lindsay, if you take our ideas, you don't owe us 10%. Everyone out there, else there in the world, 10%. That's all we ask. Mm, Interesting. Is this legally binding? Uh, yeah, pretty much probably, (laughs) right? Radio. It's it's radio law. That's right. (laughs) It's on the air. It's recorded somewhere. You can just point to it. That's been used, uh... By people against me, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> like radio law. I like that. <laughs> okay, so uh, should I just get going then? Do you want to start? So I, I will just say, I'm, I'm going to make a, uh, just let you know, and not to put any undue pressure on you, but generally when it's just Noel and I, we bandied these things about, it's very lighthearted, and hey, you did a great, you have a great idea, I have a great idea, oh, it's all great, right? When we have a guest here who's sort of in, to a certain degree, judging these ideas, we get very competitive. <laughs> we, <Okay. do. clears throat> we look at it kind of like a win-lose situation. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure that one of my ideas is going to win. Yeah, but well. we'll we'll get to that later. But So uh, I, I will start off, because I'm going to start off with my weaker one. Okay. All right? So my first one is... Uh, so. Again, financial podcast or humorous financial podcast, boy, that's a small topic to delve into. So yes, it, went, it was a bit narrow. Yeah, I went very uh, specifically. I came up with uh, two humorous financial podcasts. Right. Uh, this one is a little broad. I, I feel um, like you're stalling because you don't want to be beaten. I'm not stalling at all. So anyway, here we go. So <laughs> this one is called Financial Advisor Podcast. Um Apparently, anyone can become a financial advisor. Yes. A registered financial advisor, all it takes is filling out some paperwork. That's it. doesn't matter what your background is. You could have a third-grade education. Um, you can uh, 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 have never worked in finance before. If you fill the paperwork at work out, uh, you know, send your information to whatever the regulating body is, you can be a financial advisor, mm-hmm. uh, a registered financial advisor, because... Uh, RFAs are essentially considered salespeople. Sure. Right? All they're there for is to sell whatever product the company, the financial company, is pitching. Does it cost money to do that? Uh, a couple hundred bucks. Like uh, it's we whatever do the it, fees Josh. are. Well, so thank you. Oh, you no. love this idea so much, you're actually jumping ahead of it for me. <laughs> thank you very much. This is interesting. So, um, my th- I had two I- concepts on this. So one is you as the host become a registered financial advisor and in a very sort of like, you know, uh, Nathan for you slash uh, uh, candid camera situation, mm-hmm. bring people in 
and record your financial advising with them. You hopefully knowing absolutely nothing about finance and just trying to work with them and making them crazy. The other one is is get people that you know that are completely insane, right? Mm-hmm. People who are maybe the uh, the most Marxist people that you may know, anti-money, mm-hmm. anti-big government, anti-big, whatever. Whatever's big, they're anti it. Get them their, uh, make them an RFA, pay for it, and then record them again having these meetings with people who just want to come in and discuss their finances with them. So that's that's the first one. That's my first one. Um, okay. And 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 we're going to end it there. You can expand <laughs> upon that. Expand upon it. Uh, you know, if you hate it, you can hate it. If you like the no. The... Okay. So I think there's something very funny about um, the, <laughs> like a, a Marxist, um, like how to how to invest your money according to a certain kind of principles. Like uh-huh. say, you say someone's part of you know there's 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 all kinds of funds that you can invest in that you know adhere to certain tenets, you know, like certain environmental tenets or certain, you know, you know, then again, you can also invest money. Um, you know, there's all these advice funds, you know, you know, sex, tobacco, you know, all kinds of things that are bad for you, you know. So if you, I think the idea of a uh, a Marxist finance show is is pretty hilarious, actually. Okay, there you um, go. So I'm, because, I'm, but then again, what would the person coming in, would they want to know, like, hey, I make some money at the food co-op, like, what do I do with it? So what what would it, what do you see that how do you see that shaking out? Well, so I, I I sort of had it more like a a kind of a gotcha show to a certain degree. Oh, I see. Where I see. people come in and they're actually looking, you know, you're setting them up in the sense that they are coming on the show and they're getting free financial advice, mm-hmm. right? And they're coming in and either you know because you are a registered financial advisor, mm-hmm. right, and you are just doling out whatever yeah. comes off the top you of go your like, head. And then you've been financially pumped. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking about necessarily. That that, but that's not a bad idea. No, we could sell that to MTV in a yeah. heartbeat. Oh yeah. Um, so there you go. I'll cut it off there. Okay. Um, no, you can. You okay. Can... All right. I'm still listening. I'm yeah. still listening. So I, I have. Uh, <laughs> you haven't shut Also down. have that two different one. things. No. Uh, first one I'm going to give is more specifically for you. Okay. And then another one I'll give later is not as specific to you, but uh, so your show is you interview comics. About financial matters, mostly. Mostly comics. Right. Um, less so coming up soon, but, oh, okay. but mostly humorous All right. people. Well, then you better get this one in quick. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Serial, uh, as far as podcasts go, is basically a, like a game changer, right? Yes. Uh, their season one episodes have been downloaded at this point over n- uh, nine, 9 million times. I think that's wrong. I think I wrote that wrong. I think it was 60 million times. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, so, and other people have copied it. The Netflix made Making Murder, which was basically a copy of Serial. Uh, I don't know if you know the show Reply All. Have you ever listened to that? I haven't yet, no. It's like a, a tech show, but they even did like a, a few episodes where they went and did a, did he do it or not with this guy in prison? Sure. Uh, Billia recently did a get into the mind of a convict type thing. This isn't what you do at all. <laughs> no, but I'm listening. I'm listening. I love true crime. Yeah. So um, what you do is you interview comics about finance, maybe not so much in the future. We'll see. But uh, everyone knows that comics are better people to interview than convicts. But people love listening to convicts, right? But I'm sure any comic can have a better conversation than any convict or than most, let's say. So 
what you need to do is interview comedian convicts. Uh, and maybe at this point, you're lucky enough to be friends with uh, some comics that are in jail. You know, if so, then great, we can end this here. But if not, uh, you need to make friends now with comics that are likely in the future to go to jail. So I looked up on police uh, com, and they list personality traits of those likely to commit crimes, be incarcerated, and recidivate, go back into jail, right? Mm-hmm. So these are antisocial values. So people who rationalize their actions and blame others for their negative behavior. So basically just find comics that blame the audience for their bad set and <laughs> lash out at the audience. I, I know some of those. Yeah. Uh, they uh, If people have criminal peers, so friends who engage in criminal behavior or are involved in abusing drugs or alcohol. Mm. Yeah. In comics, I'm sure that's hard to find. Yes. Um, uh, antisocial personalities. Do, did they skip school a lot as a kid? Did they run away? Did they lie? Did they steal? A lot of those probably apply to a lot of arts. Uh, but dysfunctional family is one of the signs of you're going to jail. <laughs> Which, oh my God. You, you could be anywhere in comedy, in acting, in writing, in anything. <laughs> Every single person. Um, and then uh, low self-control. Do they, are, do they have low impulse control? Uh, yes. And uh, the last sign of whether or not someone's going to become a convict is substance abuse. So if if somehow you can find a comic that fits these traits. They, they all fit those traits. Yeah, exactly. So make friends now. They're going to jail. And then you can interview that comic about finance when they're in jail. Your listenership will m- mill tuple. I don't even know what the word would be. Mill tuple. Yeah, mill tuple. Well, it's funny that you said I am very interested in like, you know, jail economies are very interesting. You know, what yeah. becomes a currency in, in prison is always very interesting to me. You know, the idea of, you know, cigarettes or certain <clears> things. From, from, that's what people really love <throat> that show Orange is the New Black because there's a lot of conversations about um, on that show, which is not my favorite show, but it's, there's some good parts of it. Um, no, I'm with uh, you on that. Um, just, you know, the value of stuff from commissary or just very, this, there's uh, assigning value to things that are, aren't currency, you yeah. know, because there's I mean, you can't, there's no currency. Yeah. yeah. Um, so wait, so what's the pitch? The pitch is... is the pitch is yeah. make friends with comics that are going to go to jail. Yeah. And then when they go to jail, they can be on your podcast. Your listenership will go through the roof. Your be sponsors will be paying you up the wazoo. Uh, big money. I, I like Sponsors don't like violent content. Oh, they part. love cereal. They, they, they did like cereal. They did like cereal. See? I will give you the prize for most long-winded uh, uh, idea on that one. I, I thought you were going someplace there. I thought you were going more toward finance, finance and crime, which is actually one of my favorite things. Um, oh no, just work at a bank then, if you want to. You know? <laughs> there, there's a great, uh, there's a great article in Bloomberg this week um, about this um, this amazing murder investigation happening um, out of this bank in Puerto Rico, out of Doral Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just as good as any. It's just, it's a crazy story. It has like Santeria and it has like banking and Goldman Sachs. You know, there's all kinds of great finance crime. Okay. It's just as juicy and to me even more juicy than a lot of um, regular murder stuff because there's so much money. Everyone's very educated. You know, you don't think these kinds of people, these kind of things happen to people like this, but then they do, and it's even more shocking. Yeah, I think if you mix Santeria and high finance together, you've got gold. Oh yeah, I think so no, that's, too. Yeah. That's like that's like uh, listener alchemy, right? Yeah, there. yeah. I, I really want to get that person who wrote that piece to come on and talk about it. Yeah, with me. start yeah. a voodoo finance show. 
Uh. And you'd like sacrifice a chicken and then like <laughs> on air, you yeah. sacrifice a chicken. Yeah. And then you have like uh stock picks. <laughs> so so do I do I have to pick my, my winner? No, uh, no, 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 we no. we each have one more at least. I just yeah. know do you wanna do we wanna do those right now or do we wanna go to the uh Okay, yeah, sure. So uh at this point of the show everyone's made a lot of money. They're sitting on tons <clears> of money, you know, they're interviewing comedians in jail, they're Whatever the heck Josh talked about. Uh, (laughs) Can't remember because yours was so damn long. (laughs) So what are you going to do? You got to do something with that money before it rots your soul. And and if you haven't made that money yet, use this inspiration. Get off the couch. Get out there. Make some money. Uh, So, Mr. Josh, brought to you by Radio Free Brooklyn. Please take it away. Inside the Kim and Kanye of China's $31 million wedding, Angela Baby and Huang Chaomeng's big day was out of this world. So what will $31 million get you? The lavish wedding took place in Shanghai in front of 2,000 of their closest friends and family. For the big day, Angela Baby wore a custom Christian Dior wedding gown that took five months to create. The drama doesn't stop there. Look at the jewels. Huang proposed to Angela Baby with a six-carat, $1 million Chimay engagement ring. The pair also visited the headquarters of Chimay in Paris, where she picked out an antique tiara and choker worn for the wedding. And where they posed for elaborate engagement photos in front of the Eiffel Tower, with Angela Baby sporting a series of Ellie Saab couture gowns. <laughs> that was so much money to spend, we needed to say it twice. Yeah. $31 million on a wedding. Wow. And it's not the most expensive wedding out there right now. Yeah, the, I'm going to have that. The most expensive wedding was just done by some Russian oligarch for his son and and his uh, dental assistant, now daughter-in-law. Oh, my God. A uh, billion dollars. What? They had, this was the entertainment. J-Lo came out and did three songs with three costume changes uh-huh. and a full band. Uh, uh, the Iglesias Boy whatever julio's son enrique enrique right yeah we all go dreamy for enrique he still (laughs) looks good it's kind of amazing enrique came out and did whatever his hit was from 20 years ago which you know is probably just getting big in russia right now um uh sting came out Mm -hmm. and did desert bloom or rose i hate that song it's awful um and uh so that was just the entertainment Mm -hmm. alone right not including whatever that has been there was a Seven-tier, twenty-foot-high uh, cake at the four billion-dollar wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, One billion-dollar wedding. I could sorry. live in that cake. Yeah, you could. You could absolutely live in that cake. But anyway, we're going on to our next topics. Right. Not not our next topics. We're going on to our next ideas. This is going to be short and sweet, and this is the wit- r- winner. Oh. Ready for the title of the show, Noel? All right. Two economists walk into a bar. <laughs> I like it. The show is hosted by a comedian, uh-huh. hopefully, or anyone. Yeah. Um, they bring in two economists with differing theories. Get them drunk as shit over the course of the show and let them duke it out. Okay. I like it. I think that is a phenomenal... It's like, think of drunk history. Yeah. Think. I think it's just a great idea. That's it. That's that's the pitch that's right the there. Pitch. That's drunk, the whole so pitch. So it's like drunkenomics. Drunkonomics. That's great. There okay. you go. Okay. I like it. Hey. I, I went with two economists walking in the bar just because of the joke aspect of it, right. right? You know, but what a drunkonomics, however you want to call it. Okay. There you go. That's oh, it. That's it. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, then everyone fasten your seatbelts. Oh, God. 
You're going to forget all about my pitch now. Okay, so, uh, you know, code signaling, I don't know if you know what code signaling is. Not not so much. Okay, so often used by uh, people to appeal to religious groups, such as George Bush used a lot, Martin Luther King used a lot, and it is you're, you're peppering your speech with uh, codes from these other subgroups. Okay. Uh, like something they know about, right? So, okay. Uh, it, the common listener will hear it and just think it sounds like a f- familiar phrase or something like that. But people in that subgroup identify with you, know you're one of them. Oh, I see. Yeah, you know, and they, and they really glom on, right? Got it. Uh, so, as I said, George Bush was huge with this, with uh, religious groups, and he would use it to make a wink at the religious right while trying and failing not to offend others. Okay. Uh, like, at, for example, in the State of the Union after 9-11, uh, he used the phrase, wonder-working power, right? It sounds like nothing to me, probably nothing to you guys, but it's from some evangelical hymn. And it, it made everyone just be like, yeah, that guy's one of us. Okay, that's interesting. All right. So uh, you can use code signaling in your podcast to attract the types of listeners that are good demographics for sponsors. Right? Huh. So I, I, I've taken two examples here of what would be great people to go up to a sponsor and say, these are the people who listen to my show. Uh, so bankers... Uh, and I looked at Business Insider at, at banker's terms, uh, and some of these are, are pretty common. Everyone knows what they are, like long and short, like I'm, I'm for something, I'm against something. Uh, a piker is a phony. It's someone who pretends to know everything about the finance but really works in a small, crappy firm, so a poser. Uh, hunting elephants is looking for big deals. Junked up uh, means to be excited about, uh, to Clown grade means to change your opinion for a stupid reason, which I, that, that's a great one. I, <laughs> I, I, I worked in banks for a long time. I never heard clown grade. That's very uh, funny. And treat me subject means maybe. Uh, so another big demographic with anything to do with advertisers, millennials. Yeah. Uh, and as a matter of fact, Taco Bell uh, about a year ago made all their execs learn millennial lingo. That's ridiculous. And they would have weekly classes for their execs. <laughs> That's fucking ridiculous. That's they, That's they, crazy, right? That's in the 90s, did they make them learn Ebonics as well? Yeah. Was that a thing? <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Hang, hanging on the flippity-flop. <clears throat> uh-huh. uh, oh, my God. <laughs> so I, I did look up some lingo for millennials, and some of it was just stuff that everyone knows. So I wrote down a few that everyone doesn't know. But honestly, the 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 these, these sites were so, like, fake marketing sites that they were like crashing my browser. So there was only so much I could look at. So I, I looked up one called uh, fubbing, which is talking while texting, uh, basically just a doofus. Uh, hundo P is 100%. And ship is relationship. So if you pepper your podcast with these phrases, it'll be a wink and a nod to the millennials. You're one of them. The bankers, you're one of them. They'll, they'll, they'll hound you to death. And so will the advertisers. So here's an example 
of something you could say, like, for example, if you were talking about an X for some reason. Okay. Uh, so you could be like, ship sunk. That piker was fubbing a hound pee <laughs> when we hung out, so I had to short him. Now I'm all junked up about hunting elephants. And and the listener will just think, well, that's a that's a, a strange turn of phrase there. <laughs> but the bankers will will just they'll, they'll have their like financial they'll, yeah. be, they'll be ready to roll, and so will the, <laughs> they all. Will, and you will attract advertisers like crazy. That's it. Okay. Well, so I think that's I think those are both really good ideas. Um, I know we have to wrap up soon. Um, I did like the I did like drunkenomics. I think that's more. Of a, I, I thought it was more of a. <laughs> it was just more of something that you could say in one part, pa- just in yeah. one. Yeah, you know, yeah, one yeah, line, a, yeah. You know, the whole it, idea it, was an elevator pitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you. But it's true. You know, I actually am trying to aim um, spent at. Um, it's a younger people, you know, the age like the twenty yeah. to forty. I don't, I wouldn't call them millennials because I think that they're a little bit more of a broader group than that. But you know, you do, you, you don't want to you want to speak everyone's language. You know, you want to you want people to think that you're not yeah. just talking down to no. them. You don't want to look like a fubber. I don't want to look like a fubber. <laughs> I don't want people to clown grade me and uh, to. No, I I I, uh, I don't know. I. I um, I, it's true. You have to have empathy, but you got to be clued in, you know. And I also do want. I also do want, you know, people who do finance take me seriously, because yeah. um, I would like to end up being on some, being on some shows, on some guests. So. So what I would so say point is, taken, point taken. What I get from this is that I won, but you would you would work some of that last yes. concept of Knowles in there. Yes. Okay. Great. Good. Uh, no, well, I won. I think she it's just a tie. Yeah, I think that anyway, like okay. <laughs> so uh, about this time, I guess we should uh, throw out some. Uh, if you want to reach us, yeah. So if you do want to reach us, you can get us on. Twitter at GRQ Josh Noel. Email us at GRQ with Josh and Noel at uh, gmail.com. And that's right. Or Facebook is at Facebook slash GRQ Josh Noel. You can go to iTunes. You can subscribe. You can rate us. You can review us. And you can just uh, follow Josh in the street. That's right. I, and I'll buy you a bear burger, apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lindsay, what do you have to plug for yourself, young lady? Cool. Well, I'm, I'm actually going to be doing stand-up comedy on uh, on Monday at The Stand, which is a great stand-up comedy uh, venue um, on the east side at 7.30. So uh, come see me. Um, also, uh, check me out on Twitter at Spent Podcast. Okay, great. Uh, so, uh, our ideas are great. They're going to make lots of money. How do you know at home? It's because we judge them against scheme uh, for rules for getting rich culled from the internet that Josh does. So, Josh, where do rules come from today? Today's come comes from, I, I keep wanting to pronounce an incomediary, but it's actually IncomeDiary.com, uh, 17 Secrets to Jay-Z's Success. Okay. Uh, we've only got time for a couple. Uh, number one, the obvious one when it comes to Jay-Z, hustle. Yes. Yeah, right? I mean, you need to do that in a podcast, and you're going to get rich. Uh, number two, uh, skills are transferable. That's totally true. Just yeah. like money, right? Yeah. Financial podcast. And finally, uh, well, I'll do two more, because okay. have an empire state of mind. <laughs> it can't hurt. You want to be an empire, yeah. financial empire. And finally, don't be a businessman. Be a business, yeah, man. Sure, yeah, yes. I think that is exactly on my code signaling point right there. Uh huh. So, uh, business I, woman. That's right. So, uh, once again, for Josh and Noel, don't spend all that knowledge in one place. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Okay.